Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're absolutely astonished at it. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I wouldn't be as down in the dumps about the weather later today as uh, the wonderful Joanna Donnelly at Med Aaron seems to be I think she may be talking about Dublin which generally Dublin is Ireland as you know when we hear from our national broad um, meteorological offices and all that but I may tell you this now lads it's gorgeous out there it's a stunner out there this morning now that won't last but it is going to be warm and it is going to be pretty much mostly dry for the rest of the day you have a chance about 4 o'clock dark sky the ever reliable dark sky and I will always call it that uh, is telling me there's about a 4% chance of a shower uh, around 4 o'clock and and really the rate of it it'll be more like a wet breeze than a shower there is really no rain worth talking about to be seen on the dark sky tomorrow you'll get a chance of rain in the early afternoon but looking good for the day Sunday looks gorgeous Sunday looks lovely uh, and Monday and right into next week in fact this day week is the first day that I can see a proper chance of rain I mean like real rain I mean like cork rain you know the stuff that gets you wet we're in for a nice Friday I think just enjoy it enjoy it Good morning, 0818 96 96 Text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 And your voice notes go there as well. A few bits and pieces to talk about this morning that uh, should attract a few of your voice notes. If you've time, if you don't have time to make a phone call or don't have time to write a big long text message, then pop us a voice note and send it into us and we'll take it from there. I met another one of those clowns on a scooter this morning. They're going to kill someone, lads. They're going to kill themselves or they're going to kill someone. I was coming down by Paddy the Farmers as I do every morning in or around, in or around now. There'll be sometime between maybe 7.03, 7.04 and 7.10, 7.12. In or around that. So between seven and quarter past every morning, I'm coming down there by by Paddy the Farmers. And I come up to the green light for me to go. But something told me 
pull in, pull up, stop. And if I did, literally for a split second, down comes your man from the right, from the direction of the hospital, going like the clappers on the scooter. Had I gone through the light as I was entitled to do, he'd have gone straight into the side of me. They're lunatics out there. Lunatics on those uh, little small scooters. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Councillor Shane O'Callaghan, do you really want to lower the drinking age to 16 or do you just want us to talk about it? Good morning, Shane. Um, this was a motion that uh, Councillor Shane O'Callaghan Finnegale brought up at a meeting of the City Council uh, this week and unfortunately it got canned. He had to pull it. Uh, he got no support for it at all. But he wanted to have the council write to the Minister for Justice suggesting that the government change the minimum legal age for drinking alcohol. Shane, are you there? Morning, PJ. How I have you? you. I have you. Good man. So, this motion, now it never saw the light of day in, in inside in the council, but what was behind it? Good morning to you. How are you doing? Uh, um, listen, first of all, I, I didn't say it wasn't calling on the minister. It's calling on the minister to consider, right? Um, basically, in my opinion, one of the roles of a public representative, PJ, is to foster debate about issues and policies affecting our communities, uh, particularly if those policies do not appear to be working as well as they should. Sure. And as I would have said in the council chamber on Monday, I'm not necessarily in favour of reducing the drinking age to 16. All I'm saying is that the issue you know, needs to be considered, it needs to be debated, it needs to be looked at because the current system that has been in place for decades, in my view, is not working. Okay. Um, I'm not claiming that lowering the drinking age would be some sort of perfect solution, far from it. It mightn't be the right thing to do at all. All I'm saying is that there should be a mature debate about the issue because the current policy of seems to be hear no evil, see no evil, mm. bury our heads in the sand. Um, because let's 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 face the reality underage drink, drinking is happening on an absolutely massive scale anyway mm. and has been for decades um, like if the vast majority of 16 and 17 year olds complied with the existing law then there wouldn't be any issue and there'd be everything would be fine I, we wouldn't be having this conversation um you know if if we we'll say if, the, if only 20 or 30 percent of people uh, drank underage Right, mm-hmm. but that's not the case at all. A survey con- conducted by Alcohol Action Ireland last year found that eighty-two percent of young people have drank alcohol by the age of seventeen. Eighty-two mm. percent. Mm. Now that's that's a serious non-compliance. That's eighty-two percent of the ones they surveyed. And we must we must take into account Shane the the weaknesses of a system like that. Do you know people will tell yeah, but how many the survey what they think people, they want them to hear. Do you know? Yeah, exactly. How many of them said, you know, um, you know, that they didn't, and in fact, they had as well. Yeah. Um, and worryingly, the same survey also found that spirits are by far the most popular drink, uh, alcoholic drink, um, among seventeen-year-olds at thirty-eight percent, followed by cider at thirty-two percent, and then beer last at twenty-six percent. So, spirits, which is the most potent, the most harmful drink by far is the most popular drink among 17-year-olds. Yeah. And could I suggest that a lot of the reason for that is because instead of going for a few beers in the pub or in a friend's house, both of which are, you know, con- would be controlled environments if the friend's house if the parents are there, 16 and 17-year-olds <laughs> often go to a park or a wood and get absolutely wasted mm. on nagins of vodka or flagons of cider. And if you are a parent, PJ, of a 16 or 17-year-old, 
would you prefer for them to go to their friend's house where their parents, where the friend's parents are there or a pub? Um, as I say, both of which are controlled environments and have mm. a couple of beers. Or mm. would you prefer to them to go to a field or a park or a wooded area somewhere? And as I said, get get out of their mind, mm. which is not a controlled environment where it's much more dangerous from the point of view of uh, supervision um, and get out of their mind. Right. Um, would, would you prefer like would you prefer to be confident mm. that you know where you are, like where you're where you're. 16 and 17 year old is um, and what are they doing or would you prefer that they you know as is often the case I assume lied to you and said they were staying in a friend's house whereas mm. they're in fact going to local park or wood and drinking large amounts of spirits because at the moment that seems to be what's happening all over this country on a weekly basis and has done sure let's call a spade a spade okay. for decades pick that apart uh, for a couple of minutes uh, Shane you'd accept I suspect I don't know if you have children of that age do you? I don't. I have three children, though, but they're they're not. They haven't reached that age okay. yet. They're okay. younger than that. Well, well, okay. Well, when they do, when when your when your oldest say reaches the age of sixteen, you don't want them to drink, do you? No, no. I don't want okay. them to I'm, drink. I'm, just bear with but, me for a couple. Just bear with yeah. me for a second. Let his those moment. So, yeah. you don't actually want them to drink, okay? And and no, no, you no, you kind of know, don't you, that there's a chance that they will. Well, based on the statistics, PJ, there's a very, Absolutely very high is. chance they will. Absolutely so it's, it's about living in the real world so, as well. So, so which, is, I mean? which is the more important thing to be doing here? And I'm just throwing this out to you for by way of discussion. Is it that we would educate, or try to at least, educate the 15 and 16-year-olds that, look, lads, it's not a good idea to be drinking at that age? Or do we change the law and say it's all right because you, you can go to the pub now? Because let me tell you this. And I have, been, I'm through that barrier with my kids. You know, at 16 and 17, I don't think they are going to go to the pub, even if they can. Because A, the drink is too dear. And B, it's just not what they do. Well, is part of the reason that's not what they do, because in many cases they can't do it. And because, you know, some some people might get served underage, others mightn't. Um, and I, and the, regarding the point about the price, I mean, would you not prefer for them to, you know, you know, if they're if they're drinking cans or whatever, drink them in in a friend's house under parental oh, supervision. Oh, don't get me wrong for a second. And again, we've had that difficult. And I trust me, Shane, you'll have this this difficult situation arriving uh, arising as well when your kids are older. We've had the situation where, for example, my daughter would have been over the, the age, the, the legal age, to have a drink, and, and was having a drink with our blessing. But some of the friends she might have around for a party or a, you know, barbecue, some of them might mm. not be on, of that age just yet. Um, did we yeah. like the idea that they took a drink? I kind of said we haven't got a choice. And you're right, it's supervised in our house. I'm just wondering, though, I'm just wondering what the purpose would be of lowering it. Are you... Well, are you can, I, can I just... Hold on. Well, can, I, can I just say, like... At, Go on. Go on. At the moment, there's like because of the the, the legal and, and but again I must stress PJ I'm not necessarily saying I'm in favour of lowering no it you want to start the conversation which is what I we're doing I want here. to start the conversation okay yeah. um, and, and my view would be in a perfect world I wouldn't want any of my children drinking before 18 okay. by the way it's, so yeah. it's not but like you I'm know they probably that, will, so you're wondering what we should yeah, do about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm uh, so you certainly shouldn't be interpreted that I'm I'm am advocating that I'm saying that people should sure, drink. Sure, sure. Seen it. No, I, I, I can hear that very clearly. You're not, fact. you're not. Yeah. yeah. Um, but say no, like 
because of the, the legal age limit, okay, and because it's, you know, it's 18, right, when there's, we'll say, 16 or 17, right, and this, and, and according to the, to the statistics, 82% start to drink, okay? Yeah. That means the majority of young people's first interaction, the vast majority of young people's first interaction with alcohol is to hide the fact that they're drinking. Okay. I mean, that is clearly not a good way to have a first interaction with alcohol. I mean, it's just not a healthy way. And it, in many cases, I would say it probably results in the young person having a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol from a young age and into later life. Because, I mean, you know, when people, people, you know, of certain age, you know, of any age who have a drink problem often hide the fact that they're drinking from their friends, their relatives. Mm-hmm. And I mean, but and, and and we have a situation whereby because it is happening all the time, uh, young people under the age of 18, we say 16, 17, they're drinking anyway, but they're hiding the fact that they're drinking. Nice. I, I, I cannot see how that can be a, a, a you know, positive first interaction mm-hmm. or, you know, or the start of a relationship, you know, for want of a better word, with, with drink. Now, um, another, I, I, another while, while you're coming, yeah. you're right on the statistics. What is also lacking, I would think, in our society, although there's a bit of it there, is research as to why they start so young. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose as well, I mean, I suppose, you know, I mean, when people reach a certain age, I would say around 16, 17, they decide, you know, that they, they start to decide that they're, that they're you know, mature enough to take these decisions, whether mm-hmm. I, I don't agree that they are, by the way. Um, but I mean, they, they obviously reach that conclusion. Um, and, and and that's why it happens. And look, your point about education, I take your point about education. Okay, I, I 100% agree that education, there has to be more education um, about the dangers of alcohol, about, uh, you know, particularly and particularly folks, young people. I, I, I understand that. On the other hand, PJ, we have been talking about education being the solution since I was a teenager, right. and that was 25 years ago. So, like, and I suspect it's even longer than that. Um, and, you know, education certainly is part of the solution, and it's a major part of the solution, sure. but I, I don't know if, if that on its own mm. is enough. And, like, what I would be, you know, what I think, again, not, not <laughs> advocating this, just saying we should have a discussion, the German approach, right? Countries yeah. like Germany, right? They may have a more realistic approach to the issue because rather than trying to keep young people away from alcohol completely, their approach is to teach young people to have a responsible approach to alcohol consumption yeah. to kind of take the novelty out of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they do this in part by having a, a grading or gradual approach. So yeah. in Germany, it's legal, for instance, in Germany, it's legal to purchase beer and wine at 16. Okay, but it isn't legal to purchase spirits until you turn 80. So, I mean, I suppose, you know, if they, if they have a few beers when they're 16, you know, they're not, you know, you know, if you're if you're able to have a few beers at that age, why would you, you know, go off and break the law to get spirits or whatever? Do you know what I mean? So and um, whereas the opposite is the case here. There's no graduate approach. It's all illegal until you're 18. And interestingly, as I said before, the most the far the most popular drink among 17 year olds is spirits, yeah. which is a way more harmful than beer and obviously way more potent. I could not agree with you more there. You see the amount of vodka that 17-year-olds are ladling down their throats. It's it's not healthy. You're you're right. Shane, I'm going to leave it there with you for now. You came to start
start a conversation, you've certainly come to the right place. I think the conversation got a bit further here than it did inside in the council, but that, that, it, that, it that, that's, that's, that's how things happen. Listen, it's a topic, yeah. I think, to be fair to you, you're a brave man to bring it up um, and, and see where it goes. Uh, so, at least leading on the idea, um, I, I want your thoughts, and we take these throughout the course of the morning. I'd like them on text, or I'd like them on WhatsApp, or I'd like them on the phone, or I'd like them on a voice note, whichever you want. And I'm a parent, my kids are in their 20s now, I know there's lots of parents listening to me, kids of 14, 15, 16, or kids who will soon be 14, 15, 16. So what Councillor O'Callaghan, who by the way is a practising barrister, so understands the law very well, what he's thinking is this, it's illegal for children under 18, for anyone under 18 to buy drink. So what are they doing? They're sneaking off to ditches and they're sneaking off to parks and they're having cans and they're ladling vodka into themselves at 16 and 17. Totally unsupervised and totally illegal. And we have a huge uh, underage drinking crisis in the country. That's his view. One of the ideas he has, and he just wants to start a conversation, is maybe if we made it legal for them to buy drink at 16... And, and legal for them to drink at 16, then it might tackle one or two problems for us. I don't know is my answer to that. I see where he's come from. I certainly see where he's coming from. And the old argument that's been made here many times is prohibition solves nothing. And prohibition will not make your problems go away. In fact, they, 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 they make some of your problems worse. But your thoughts, please. 083 396 96 But you know, I think he's, a, in fairness, he's a brave man to put his hand or his head up over the, over the parapet and, uh, and start that conversation. Briefly, um, now I was mentioning that I met another lunatic on a scooter this morning. And, um, oh yeah, just the German approach. Yeah, just to clarify that. In Germany, you can buy a beer at 16. But you can't buy spirits until you're over 18. And that's kind of, I think, what he was saying we should look at here. Thanks for that clarification. But this morning I met this fella. And as I said, had I taken the green light, I was perfectly entitled to take at Paddy the Farmer's at five minutes past seven. He would have careered into the side of me at speed. And I was in a car and I was well protected. So it's something. It's, it's, it's just gone mad. It's just gone mad. Uh... uh Line one, John. You now, John, you got. I heard you talking about this the other day, John O'Donovan. You got yeah. knocked down by a scooter. I did, and actually, I'm not exaggerating, PJ, right now. I'm, I'm pain from head to toe. Every part of my okay. body is hurting me. My arm is stitched up. My knuckles are all busted up. I'm getting flashbacks of what happened as well, there, which is kind of hard to deal with. But um, I was getting off the, the bus and uh, came out from behind the bus. And on a, on a one way street, looking one way where there was no traffic coming up, which I checked first. And I just stepped out from the bus, let him in, and I was just, the best way I can describe the future, I thought I was after being hit by a truck. Yeah. The impact was so, was so severe, I was blown out onto the road. Um, 
I'd never, I, I, I'd be honest, quite honest with you, and you know me a long time now, I don't exaggerate really, right? But I'd, I'd be honest with you, like, this phone call really, like, almost didn't happen this morning with you because it came that close to me being killed. John, I'm listening to you, and you and I have talked a hundred or more times, and we've had our fights, and we've had our laughs. I've never heard you sounding so shook. Yeah, I've done such a... It just knocked a little head over me. And what what injuries have you got? You've caught some bruises, I take it. Well, my my elbows stitched up, and all my knuckles were torn up. But it's um, the, the you know the emotional, the, the, the mental the torture of it, and reliving it, and the sound of the impact in your head. And I, I can hardly walk with this myself. Like I mean, I've even gone to the chemist the other day. It took me, which now he's only on the ground for me, but take me any boat. Ten minutes, and it took me about three quarters an hour to walk up the road. But um, every bone in my body is aching and hot, and I can hardly dress myself or anything like. All because somebody decided to go down the one-way street and just blast the scooters. I'm, I, I'm not exaggerating, PJ. I'm lucky to be alive, like, and I thank God and my mother must have been on my shoulder because I should not be here. Well, you're a man of a certain age, and and you're you're that age when when things like hips and and other such are are more fragile than they were, say, thirty years ago. Well, this is the whole thing. Like, I mean, you know, number one, as I said, I believe I could have been killed, but two, I could have been seriously injured, and it could have been life altering. So I could be maybe not be functional like I was. Mm-hmm. For a lot of us left in my bloody life, like all no, I, I, I'm aware the thing is being investigated, so we won't go into too much detail. But, yeah. but at the same time, like had that been a car coming down the one way street, yeah. the rules of the road would have applied in an absolute fashion. They would. I know the guards did confiscate the school to like I mean, but okay. the, the whole thing is that you see the legislation that's out there. The guards are not even sure about it. The guards said to me like he wasn't even sure was he doing the right thing confiscating the school car. Like the way I look at it, PJ, look, this is part of the green agenda and everything. Right? I mean, you you have to pay tax, you have to pay insurance, you have to have a license, NCT, people are paying back loans to credit unions for their car, the fuel is enormous, so the bill on the fuel, and trying to get the car going, oh, it's tough going, right? Yet you couldn't have someone out on the road there with these things, and I mean, just because for the size of the motor, they're allowed no tax, no insurance, no nothing. Who do you claim off as if you're the serious injury or whatever? They shouldn't be out there, like, I mean, in the middle of the road, whizzing, they're trying to, I've seen lots of times, they're trying to dodge the lights and look up the footpath on them. Not, a lot of them will use the footpath. Yes. They won't even use the road. To me, they should be, have to use the cycle lanes. And there should be some form of a license and insurance. Because they're lethal. You, I heard you describing this morning what happened with you there. That could be a serious accident there this morning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, the other thing I see, John, from time to time is, is I, when I'm coming in here of a morning and not too far from where we are now, I come up the street in a particular direction and, and the scooters, sometimes two or three of them, are coming down against me, between yeah. me and... The pavement. Now, I'm used to it at this stage, so I watch for it when I turn into the street. And I know yeah. if it's a particular time, they're likely to be there. I'm assuming they, they live in the place around the area. Yeah. And I have no yeah. problem with having the scooters. I wish I had the skill to ride one. I'd fall off it. Mm-hmm. But, 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 like, it's not safe the way they're doing No, they're not. They're not safe for themselves and they're not safe for, for pedestrians. They're not safe for motorists. Like, right. I mean, like, uh, to me, they shouldn't. It should never been allowed because I mean, and uh, those can they can go 
up to 45 kilometers or so. Some of them can, yeah. Like, they're really powerful. Some of them are. They can speed off faster than the car can take off. They can. They can. John, listen, look after yourself. Get some rest, yeah, thanks, right? Thanks. Get some rest. Thanks. Thank I haven't, in fairness, no, I haven't. And, you know, as, as I said, you've been on the show a hundred times and we've had our rows and we've had our laughs. But, uh, no, I've never heard you so shook. Look after okay, yourself, man. fella. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right, bud. That's John O'Donovan. Um, and that that accident is being investigated um, at the moment, so we can't go into details of where or what or whatever, but he walked out from behind the bus on a one-way street. And bang. Yeah. Uh, he's very shook. He's very, very shook. Loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Corks 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings 8 to 10 with Griffin's Potatoes. Straight from our soil to your table. Griffin's Potatoes are simply nutritious and delicious. Cork. 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Take your thoughts just over the course of the morning on the, the drink and whether or not we should consider. That's all we're thinking. Consider. Lower the, lower the legal age to buy beer of spirits to 16 and with regard to the scooters Mary says don't paint all scooter users the same as the one in this incident there are some very safe ones out there in all walks of life Mary there are people who do things correctly and they generally cause no problem for anybody it's the ones who don't that cause the problems but thank you very much 0818969696 I absolutely love my Revolut I got into it a couple of years ago. I got into it on holidays, actually, in 2018, 2019. And I love it. And I use it all the time now. And if I am, you know, doing something for a friend or if I'm going out having a meal or something, we split the bill through Revolut. One of us will pay and the other will Revolut the, 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 their, their chunk of the money. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, now the Irish banks are setting up or have got to go ahead to set up a rival version of a Revolut. Um, I would get the impression, or I've formed the impression, Charlie Weston, uh, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent, that the Irish banks don't really like Revolut anyway, uh, the way it's grown and how popular it's become. Would I be correct? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. You would be absolutely correct. Uh, Revolut's eating their lunch. I mean, people are signing up to it in their droves in this country. It's it's co-founder is co-founder Vlad Yatsenko was in Dublin uh, uh, this month, uh, last week actually, and said they have almost 2 million customers in Ireland. Wow. Now that's from, you know, in a very short period, PJ. So they, it's really, really, as a payment app, it's dominant in the market now because, as you say, it is ridiculously easy and fast to, uh, you to use. The, the app is just brilliant. I'll give you a simple example. Uh, you know, the other day I was booking something um, for the family and it happens in September and they needed a 20% deposit and I said to the person, do you take Revolut? Absolutely. Done. Five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Rev me, my kids keep say to me when they want money, you know. Yeah. Rev me, dad, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, it's very popular w- with younger people in particular, but a lot of older people are using it as well. Now, a lot of people have it as a kind of a an additional payment app. Like I, my main account will be AIB, uh, but I I got in twenty six as well. Didn't find it great, but um, downloaded Revolut because I needed to make uh, small payments to person to person payments, and I never have cash anymore. Uh, particularly if it's, you know, I was my. Youngest has finished her leaving cert uh, yesterday. I, I, I was paying for Matt's grinds, uh, 25 euros. I never had a fiver, never mind the the 20, you know. So it just, I revved the guy, you know, yeah. and it was doing the grinds and it was so easy. Yeah. So now the banks, you know, they, they, they're being left behind here. I don't think th- their view is they probably won't make money uh, launching this, but they feel they need to do it because mm. they see the likes of Revolut, Bunk, uh, yeah. N26. They yeah. see that was a massive yeah. challenge. They'll start getting, they're getting into lending. You know, they'll go from having, you can have a free current account with with, with, with Revolut. Uh, you know, the next step is they'll try and get you to pay and, you know, they'll, they'll be building their customer base and turning them into fee-paying customers who are, who are borrowing from them. So banks have to have this and they have Come up with a name which is just oh, it's 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 it, a name designed by a marketing. Jenny. I cringed. Yeah, a marketing really committee. Did. You know, it is. You know what happens when a, a marketing committee g- gets together, comes up with a god awful name, Yipay. It's called Y I P P A Y Yipay. Can you imagine anybody saying, "Will you Yipay me?" You know, uh, no, I'll rev you. I don't know what you pay is. You know, uh, it's absolutely awful. Yipay. No. Uh, I had to wriggle that out of them. They haven't launched this or officially said it's you pay, but I mean, I, I, I'm absolutely certain that's what it's going to be called. Um, but, but so, you know, this is a, a collaboration between AIB, Bank of Ireland, Perrin TSB and KBC, even though KBC are leaving the market. Um, and, and and the competition authority approved it yesterday, but they put some conditions on it. It has to be open to other banks to join. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be an independent governance structure, that kind of thing, and other the, apps. The credit unions and the and the other on post getting into it as well. Yeah, I think on post might end up buying out the, the KBC shareholding. Uh, yeah, they could become part of it. You know, it it, it would be something that will be overlaid on the existing on post um, uh, payments app. You know, mm. their current account and the credit unions as well, which are fast rolling out current accounts and have apps as well. They, 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 they're likely to come, become part of it. it it's about kind of, uh, I don't see that it has any major, you know, USP, as the marketing people say, unique selling point that's any different to revenue. Sounds to but me like it's a it day late in a dollar short, Charlie, because the whole world, like you said, is revving each other now. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right, PJ. You know, they feel they need this, you know, but to compete, they've been trying to get it through competition approval for two years because... The uh, fintechs, the, the revolutes, objected. To, uh, so there had to be an investigation by the Competition mm. uh, uh, and Consumer Protection Commission. Just a question on Revolut before I let you go. There was some confusion about it. Uh, I, for example, I think I'm okay. This thing with the cards that... Uh, am I right in thinking unless you got an email from them, your card's okay and you don't have to change it? If you did, they'll change it for free. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they're, 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 they've got a banking license now, so they're going to change some of the the, the, the stuff in the background. You're right, PJ. And, uh, you know, people with older cards will have to replace them. And there may be, you know, you'll have to make some little changes. But they will email you. I mean, I'm not long with Revolut. Um, uh, so, I, you know, the card I got is a relatively recent one, probably possibly the same with you, PJ. Mm. 
2020. My understanding is, yeah, I think if, if, if you have it for a good while, they may get onto you and say, you know, yeah, we, we need to update this or yeah, whatever. And it's literally click this box and we send you the other one out. It's, and it's free. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, they make it. They always make it easy for you. You know, it was easy to join it up. It's easy to use it. It's easy to pay other people. So you know, I mean, they're good at the technology. Yeah. Uh, and look at to, to be absolutely fair to you know, they did have an outage there over the bank holiday weekend. Yeah, uh, the banks regularly have IT problems. So you know, it's not perfect. Is and nothing is, I suppose. But it is good. Tech, good technology, PJ. Okay. But the new one will be called Yipay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody got paid a lot of money to come up with that with, 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 with that name, and I'm wondering I'm wondering why. Charlie, thank you. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent. This is the rival to the Rev that they want to set up here in Ireland. Who came up with that name? Like, if you said, come up with a name for a new app like Revolut, well, okay, PayPal is gone, right? The idea name PayPal is gone. What about pay me or pay you? Or you pay, or we pay, or 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 many many more things related to pay, air pay. If you must have an Irish version, but who the hell came up with you pay? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Let me talk to Lisa Dunn about a wonderful idea called Kaleidoscope. Yesterday we were chatting about carers and, and you know, the, the work that they do, particularly family carers and the incredible work that they do and the, the fact that I think government certainly isn't as grateful to these people as it should be. But what about when you've given your life over for a couple of years to caring for somebody young, somebody old, whatever you're doing, you then want to go back to work and you've missed out on a lot of years in the workplace and you've been devoted, dedicated to this one person or one couple of people like your parents for a few years. So it can be difficult for you to get back into the world of work. And that is where the Kaleidoscope Project comes in. Lisa Dunn, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. I absolutely love your idea. How does it work? So... We run a 12-week a twelve week um, virtual course. So it's done via Zoom for family carers who want to return to the workplace. So we meet on a Thursday morning for two and a half hours and we have different presenters in every week. The first six weeks are focusing on the person themselves, um, confidence, what they can bring to the workplace. And then the second six weeks is more about the practicalities. So mock interviews, CVs, getting out there, just knowing where to go. Because uh, the point I was making was if you've been devoting your time and your effort to a loved one uh, for a number of years uh, and now you no longer have to, you've not been focusing on the jobs market. No, absolutely not. And as you probably know yourself, it changes so quickly. Mm. Like I took some time out myself to um, help my daughter in school and... um, it was only 18 months and it had changed even then, even the way interviews were structured. But I suppose um, we we do a screening call with every person that wants to do the course just so they, you know, they, they can decide whether it's for them. And every single person that sat, sat across from me in Zoom has said it's lack of confidence that's prevented.
preventing them from going back to work. So obviously there's other reasons as well, mm. but the common denominator is lack of confidence. And I mean, we've had people who have been out of the workplace for 25 years and we've had people who've been out of the workplace for six months and it's still the lack of confidence. Mm. Obviously, you know, as time goes on, that lack of confidence grows, but um, everyone would say it's the lack of confidence and it's the, you know... I suppose no, just knowing how to start and just getting a bit of support in doing that. Yeah. Is it mostly women or are there men too that take the project? So we've had 63 people through the project and we've had two men. Um, so yeah, it is mainly women. Um, I think statistics have shown that men who have caring responsibilities tend to continue to work, whereas women tend to you know leave work and take on the caring responsibilities that way and um, but it has been br- it has been brilliant to have some men on the on the course because they've obviously given a different perspective on things and um greatly contributed to the program but yeah it is it, the majority is women yeah mm. is there a cost involved lisa no cost at all. We try to make it as accessible as possible. So we have a budget for replacement care costs. So if the person that you're caring for needs to be cared for when the course is running on a Thursday morning, we will help you to identify someone that can provide that care so you can you can access the course. Well, we also have... Yeah, it is. It is. It's really good. And it it provides a lot of, um, I suppose, reassurance for people that, you know, we are thinking of everything and we are thinking of trying to make it as accessible as possible. So we also have a a small budget for um, equipment as well in case someone doesn't have a printer or someone doesn't have a laptop. um, Because, you know, yourself, when you're applying for jobs, you need need to be printing out CVs, you need to be printing out job um, specs, things like that. So we have a small budget for that as well. Um, and obviously it's it's all across Ireland. So um, again, it's accessible to everyone. Um, we send people a lovely care box before the course starts and that includes the course materials and a few goodies. Um, and that's really to set the scene. That's really, you know, I suppose one of the, the participants, that, you know, when they got that box, they said, it, and it was slap bang in the middle of the pandemic and they said it's it was like someone getting putting their arms around me and giving me a big hug um so we want to set the scene from the very beginning that you're valued you're respected um you know you deserve to work the same as anybody else i I should have said earlier on it's supported by the department of social protection and and by pubble so it is yeah how does someone sign up for it Someone uh, so they can go on to the Care Alliance website and um, they'll see Kaleidoscope on the Care Alliance website and they can contact myself um, at kaleidoscope at carealliance.ie and then we'll set up a screening call and um, just chat about it, just chat about themselves, where they're at. Everybody starts the course at a different stage, everybody finishes the course at a different stage, and while the emphasis is on you know, paid employment. Sometimes when people finish the 12 weeks, they realise, you know, I have all the skills now. Um, they can access their recordings on the website as well. And, you know, but may, 
I'm not ready now, but I might be ready in yeah. six months' time. So we don't we certainly don't put pressure on anyone to be, you know, at the end of the twelve weeks to gotcha. say, yeah, I've applied for X number of jobs. Sure. Um, we take we meet people where they're at, and um, we continue to support them after kaleidoscope. Well, the twelve weeks has finished. Okay, okay. Listen, it's a great idea, and and good to be able to highlight it on the opinion. And Lisa Dunn, the project coordinator of Kaleidoscope. If you want to find out more about it, Care Alliance, all one word, small letters, carealliance.ie, and all the details are there, and it is free. John, um, on John, O'Donno, John O'Donovan and his experience with the scooter, Breda says best wishes to John. Shocked to hear him sounding so down. Hopefully back to himself soon. Uh, Paddy Deneen says, hi PJ, will you wish John well for me? If he needs a helping hand or a lift to the shop or the chemist or the doctor, um, please just pick up the phone and give him a call. He has given us a private number if John wants to take that up. Betty says, I nearly got knocked down by a scooter on one of the boardwalks in Yall yesterday evening. Uh, Lucas sent us a video of someone just randomly mounting a footpath in Douglas on a scooter. Uh, imagine if he someone had just walked out of the driveway and got hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of comments on lowering the age that at which you can purchase drink as well, as we were talking about uh, with Sean Councillor Sean O'Callaghan at the top of the programme. I do take the point being made by some people that a lot of scooter users are using them properly and not bothering anybody. You're completely right. Like uh, most motorists use their car properly. Don't bother anybody. Most cyclists use their bike properly. Don't bother anybody. But there's always a few. And in the case of those little motorized scooters, that few are dangerous. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Right, uh, coming up in a while, in a couple of minutes actually, something we've not been able to do for over three years. We haven't been able to do what I'm about to do on the show in over three years and we're all a bit excited about it. People sitting opposite would be quite nervous but I know I'm very excited about being able to do this for the first time in over three years. But I gave it the Elton John competition and I didn't give it the question before 10 and they'd be killing me. Um, Alright, we want the right name of the song. Okay, just the right name of the Elton John song. And for today, is it Nikita or Sunita is the song called Nikita or Sunita text the name the proper name and your name to 083 396 9696 and uh, we'll pick someone to go to see Elton John's farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour at Parky Cueve on Friday July 1st that's the last pair of tickets for the week also can I mention that there's Elton John's stuff and plenty other stuff on our Back Garden Festival which is back this year by popular demand last couple of years we couldn't do anything we didn't have any festivals we had no gigs we had no concerts we had no nothing this year we've loads back but we brought this back by sheer popular demand it's our exclusive online station the Back Garden Festival the biggest hits from the summer's headline acts streaming 
24-7 with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. You can listen on the app or go to 96fm.ie. Now, I said I couldn't do this for over three years. Absolutely thrilled to be able to do it. Let me turn that on. Let me turn that on. Let me turn that on. I want to say hello to the two Shanices, to Jade and to Summer. Hello, everybody. Hi. It is great to have you all here. We haven't been able to do this in a very long time. Now, we mentioned you a couple of weeks ago on the program because you won gold at a European Entrepreneurship Awards ceremony called the Youth Start competition. Uh, you were flying the flag for Cork, you were in Olten in Switzerland, and you were doing something very special, and you took home a top prize. So congratulations on that. We mentioned it at the time, and we did want to talk to you. Congratulations to you all. It's called Know Your Buttons. Shanice, I'll start with you. Like, congratulations on this. This is brilliant, guys. Not just to win nationally, but to win internationally. But how did you come up with, with Tell me about it first. How did you come up with it? Um, we came up with it uh, in Fortier. We were in TY, and we were just Miss Higgins, my teacher. She um pushed us to go into a group, and we decided to just um. <laughs> sorry, no. You're you okay. If anybody wants to pop in and help her, you can do that. I uh, know it's nervous. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. so yes, yeah, we were in TY, as Shanice mentioned, and there was this program, this NIFTY program, um, NIFTY, which stands for Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, yeah. was in place in our school, and so we grouped up together, we said we'd give it a try, yeah. and we were sitting down and we were brainstorming, and we were trying to come up with a, um, a business and a company, we'd use our time to to solve a societal issue that, that's really important and prominent. Sure. And something that really stuck out was, you know, um, child abuse and the issue with the lack of teaching consent in um, the educational system and otherwise. Sure. And so we said that we'd um, make a company, make a business that um, aims to target teaching children consent right. and raising awareness of sexual abuse in a child-friendly way, if possible. Because this is something that's come up over the years and people have mentioned that, you know, we should start teaching kids very young what consent is and how to understand it. Um, I should mention, you're all from North Press. I forgot to say that. Uh, so, straight away you went and you worked with the, the Sexual Health Centre uh, and, and the, the legend, I assume, you worked with the legend that's that's Mary Crilly. Uh, you're smiling there, Jade. Uh, what advice did they give you down there? Why why were they? Cho- why did they choose them first and why, what did they give you down there? Um, we got a good bit of advice, to be fair. There was lots of stuff we talked about. Like um, She taught us how to word the leaflet in a child-friendly manner in order to get it across, but still keep it child friendly so that they can understand um we talked about our presentation on how we were going to present in switzerland and she gave us lots of pointers on how to present and she gave us advice on how to answer questions we're not comfortable with and how to get away from questions that the judges might ask us that we aren't comfortable answering Mm. and how to do it in a way that diverts it back to the issue that we're tackling rather than answering personal questions about ourselves very clever yeah the, the gingerbread man symbol. I'll bring you in here, uh, Shanice. Where did that come from? Yeah, so when we came up with the initial idea of Know Your Buttons, we knew that we needed like a logo that would draw like our target audience in. So we all kind of agreed on a gingerbread person because it keeps... We're working with a sensitive topic, sure. so it keeps all the content like lighthearted and 
Yeah. Like it gives like a fun sense to it. You mentioned your target. Who, who is your target? Um, it's primary aged children, so from six plus. Right, right, and of course everybody loves gingerbread. But nobody's like really teaching consent to little kids like yeah. ages six to eight. So we kind of wanted to definitely bring that in to younger, younger kids. Like yeah, yeah, and 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 they have an appropriate conversation about it, appropriate to their age. And this was your brilliant idea. Now. <laughs> The old saying, teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you probably learned a lot of skills yourselves while you were doing this. Summer, any thoughts on that? Um, absolutely. We, um, because there's four people here, that's four personalities. You know, we all have different few, views on things. Mm. And, of course, we disagree sometimes. But that, that's taught us, you know, that's taught us patience. That's healthy. And, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> healthy. We've, we definitely have a healthy relationship with each other as a team, which is highly important. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so patience, um, and we've also we've also um, like helped each other a lot. It's a you know yeah, yeah. Um, throughout like, the whole process with being yeah. calm and we've learned how to like ourselves. communicate with each other a lot exactly. More. Yeah, yeah. Jade, what would you have learned from it? My biggest thing was um, kind of patience and learning how to calm a team down when we were all kind of at our highest point, like before presentations yeah. or like stuff like that. Like we'd all kind of. I'll be shouting over each other. We all be like, "Oh, we need to get this done. We need to get this done." But it was all kind of like so. You're also calm and cool and laid back here. I we're can't not. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. You're not nervous, are you? I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay. right. So, Shanice, what did you learn? Um, basically the same thing as Jade. Like I liked um, how we figured out how to work with each other as a team, and that it turned out for the better because that's four different minds, as Summer said as well. Yeah. Like putting our own kind of opinions and thoughts into this project yeah. or company um, so yeah that's kind of what I think It's a while since I was in Switzerland I was there a couple of times for, for matches um, but it's, it's a fabulous fabulous place and what's Olten like because I was never there like what was it like what was it like going to a place like that that you've never been before somewhere It was beautiful I can't even put it into words you know and it was so refreshing um, <laughs> To to like culturally refreshing. I know. Um, someone mentioned refreshing because there was like fountains. Oh, there was water fountains everywhere. They were brilliant. <laughs> yeah, but that's not what that's not what I meant. She just said refreshing, so they yeah. were refreshing. See, good memory there. Good good team memory. But um, it's refreshing to be surrounded, like I suppose, with the competition as well, with such culture and ingenuity, because the people that were there also. Um, just such great people it was so interesting to be talking to them so often but yeah the city itself was so beautiful I'm so glad that they chose Olten for yeah. the for the the area yeah, yeah so I was in Lausanne I was in Geneva but I was never in never in in, in Olten is it is it near is it near the mountains or is it uh... yeah there was a few mountains yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could kind of see them. You know, it was so nice. Brilliant, Brilliant. yeah. And going and like going there. I mean, you're all in your, your your teens, and this was kind of the first trip since before COVID, I guess, for any of you. Like, other than a holiday with 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 your mom and dad, this was a big. This is a big grown up trip. Like, how exciting <laughs> was that? You were the one laughing. You can tell me. Um, it was actually very exciting, like traveling with your friends, mm-hmm. like for a difference, because usually it's your family, and it was a bit like tiring because I can tell you that I didn't get one bit of sleep the only bit of sleep is when I actually got to Switzerland so mm. but it was still a good experience going on different like 
uh, to even tra- traveling to Amsterdam first. It, right. was, it was cool going to different places first before yeah. actually getting yeah. yeah. there. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one bit of advice to someone who's a bit older than you. Travel as much as you possibly can. And every opportunity you get to travel. Uh, travel. And spending time together, you know, Jade, like meeting other students like you guys from around many other countries. What was that like? It was very interesting and as well um, like they all kind of spoke English but then you'd hear them like speaking their own language to other people and it was interesting to hear all the different languages in the one room and all the diversity and like what their projects were about and like they were talking about stuff in their areas or their like culture and problems that they're trying to tackle and stuff and mm. it was just really different to see like in different places what's the most prominent issue that they felt the need to like tackle. And, and did you come up against anyone like talking about similar things to you sort of no not at all yeah they'd all had different ideas from yeah. different countries and that, that that's fun would you, would you like to go, go to school in any different country I mean perhaps but I think <laughs> I think that was one of the last things we sorry were you can say about. what you like here the teachers won't say a word I'll have that word <laughs> in their ring well um, but yeah I mean that's kind of not the major topic we were talking about when we were discussing you know, the cultural differences like yeah. school because I think there were such intelligent people there and there were such creative people there that I think when we were all talking to each other it just kind of slipped our minds to talk about the obvious you know, school. We were kind of talking about ideas and whatever we kind of were thinking outside the box but I mean it doesn't seem too bad from the short conversations that I have heard from like the likes of yeah. Um, Spain, maybe, maybe yeah. Spain. Spain's a nice country. Yeah. Travel broadens the mind. Yeah, the, the you learn. Irish love Spain. <laughs> I'm going there myself in a few weeks. I can do that. And coming, coming home at the airport as winners. Like what? What was that like? It was actually so unexpected because I just remember walking through the automatic doors. I was, I actually skipped through it and just waiting to go home. And then I seen four like teachers waiting, and then they were like surprise, and I was like. Why like are my teachers up here? Yeah. <laughs> I jumping was up and down. Absolutely wrecked. And then it actually like lightened my day like a little cup. Yeah, we were still so. kind of like in shock when we got to the airport because it didn't really hit us like yeah. that we were after winning. And then when we seen our teachers, we were like, it hit us. Like, like when lot. you were called out as the winners over there, yeah. how'd that feel? Well, the lead up to that was something <laughs> else because they call out like. Uh, bronze and then silver so they were after calling out all the bronze and then they got onto the silver and then we were kind of looking at each other like with the only name left and we were like surely not like so we were like oh my god and then someone was like they forgot about us like they, <laughs> yeah. they forgot about us like we're gone That's lads him. and then they said we won and we were like staring at each other for a good 10 <laughs> seconds and then we actually walked up and we were kind of looking at each other like did we, did we hear did we all hear that like or yeah. was it just did, did we did we imagine this yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like a fever dream I was dream. afraid to react in case I was wrong and yeah. Then I yeah. <laughs> you know like that heard of, like, the completely wrong thing you know uh, was it like a fever dream <laughs> <laughs> we were all showing each other's hands like and we were literally like Yes. So, so much shakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. That's that's fantastic. And then the home and the teachers thing oh and you're kinda of you see, you're trying to be cool and go, Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> oh look at all these people <laughs> You know <laughs> Yeah. So is this the the end of, of Know Your Buttons or is it just the beginning? Definitely not. Because just the beginning. Yeah. It, we need to definitely bring more into it, if mm. that makes what, what, sense. What what would you like to do? where, where would you like to take it? When we uh, were from the Sexual Head Centre, uh, we were talking about like partnerships and we have a lot of sponsors and stuff. So right. there are a lot of people behind us and kind of other companies and businesses and stuff. So we're going to try to keep up our relationship with them and 
keep getting like our leaflet and we have other products like we're going to keep trying to push them and get them out there and we have an Instagram so it definitely is just the beginning for us I sense I'm looking at at least one business person here entrepreneur <laughs> you're taken by this you're very you were the most when you were, when you guys were sitting down I think I think Jade was the most nervous because if you could heal that chair any further back you'd be over by the door <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm trying to escape <laughs> but but now you're you really are into the business idea of it isn't you? yeah 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 and you know guys from where you sat down with the first little germ of an idea to where you are now like can you put words on that somewhere? Well, I don't think we really can, to be honest. I mean, um, even when we won the Nationals, you know, when we won Ireland, we we still didn't believe it. And now to come this far, yeah. months on, it's astonishing. And I, I think we're all, like, well proud of ourselves, yeah. you know, and we really appreciate all the support that we've gotten from, you know, um, other people, but, yeah. like, most importantly, the, the support that we've given ourselves as a team, you know, and... It's just astonishing, really. Like it's a, yeah. been a really, really great experience. Are you, are you all closer because of this? Yeah. You were, you were mates before that, but are you closer now? Are you, all, are you all closer pals because of all this? Yeah, we, we definitely meet up yeah, like so after school and stuff, and we've been going to a lot more places with each other. So we definitely do see more each other. So I do feel that we have gotten closer. Yeah. Now here comes the Oscar speech. <laughs> like, is there anybody that needs to be thanked here before you leave the studio? Um, that you think that you can think of anyone you like now. Don't give it. I don't care if it's Mrs. Hegarty up the road who made who made TV. <laughs> I don't care. Who 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 would you like to, to thank? We have Angela from Froyga. She O'Connell. she took oh, us yeah. out like nearly every Wednesday to Froyga, and m- m- even more yeah. uh, throughout the weeks. And she sat us down and helped us through it all and go through it. And she was a big big help um, very organised I think yeah. we wouldn't be half as organised as we are if it wasn't for Angela she gave us breakfast and everything she gave us <laughs> <laughs> donuts oh, the coffee snacks, the refreshments tea. Yeah, that's important yeah. very important um, we have Stacey Higgins Miss Higgins our business teacher that, that did not stop giving us that encouragement <laughs> yeah. and that brilliant. push brilliant amazing and the and also the fact that she's a business teacher I think says yeah. enough you know she's taught us her skills we might involve her in our business <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah. we'll have to hire um, her <laughs> we have Action Coach as well they've been a good sponsor to us right. you know business coaching we were up in Dublin a few weeks before we headed to Switzerland and they gave us tips and tricks on how to present and mm. seem sophisticated and look like <laughs> we know what we're doing which we do yeah our parents as well you know, for giving us that love and really... Um, and a shout out to my nan for sewing the oh, buttons yeah. on the gingerbread toys for us. Really? Yeah, I had my nan sewing buttons on our products for us. She was delighted. She got yeah, a feature on Instagram. Yeah. My yeah. mum loves this show, so I'm just going to give her a quick shout out. <laughs> Tracy right. Brown. <laughs> good, 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 good. Love you. <laughs> That's great. Actually, um, she was on because she said uh, thanks for uh, this we're very proud parents uh, we're in their social enterprise oh. company you can call them in for a chat in the near future which we did this is the first message I love all the shows and that's from Shanice's mam Tracy Brown and she sent her, she sent us a photo yeah well, I think this. I, I'm, I'm, I, first of all, I'm so delighted to have you in here, and we've had a lot of fun the last couple of minutes. You see, it isn't as bad as you thought, is it? No, no, no. not at all. No, no. Thanks for the thanks for the opportunity and the platform. We yeah, really appreciate thank you. It. No, and if there's anything else we can do with and for or about, know your buttons. Just let us know. Just give us a call. Whatever it is, we'll thank do something you. for you.
All right. And so delighted to have Shanice and Jade and the other Shanice and Summer in studio with us. They are from the North Press and they are European Entrepreneurship Award winners. They won gold. And I think you actually kind of still don't believe it. No. No. <laughs> Absolutely not, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know, Jade, you can run now. All right. Yeah. We're done. Thank you so much, guys. Congratulations and Thank well, well you. done. Thank you. They did it for the staff. Dermot Kennedy up at Apple Cork yesterday. Nice. Uh, which poses the question, what's the best perk of your job? My boss reckons that the biggest perk of my job is that I still have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I work for a major hotel group here in Cork, and when I'm going to Dublin, we can go to our other sister hotels and stay for free. Nice. And take care of Very nice. That's tough, isn't That's it? nice. A hotel room up in Dublin is about 5 million euros. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. For, for a night out. I work in Jackie Lennox's, lads. Say no. Oh. Hey. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool, exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Cork's 96FM. Ah, they're just so full of life and fun and enthusiasm. It was great to have them in. They should be so proud of themselves, says this call. Such an achievement, such a great project in our society. They clearly have a great bond and they learned a lot. We've all heard the saying, you can't put an old head on young shoulders they're very clever role models. They're teaching us all, especially with their concern for our vulnerable and innocent kids. I love everything about them. Massive congrats. Well done to all four girls from North Prez. Super proud of them. That's from Ms. Sweeney. And lots more like that coming in. They left me with the, the little leaflet of Know Your Buttons. And it is so simple and yet so comprehensive. It's fabulous. Uh, you can contact them if you want, I suppose, if you want copies of this knowyourbuttons at gmail.com and I no doubt we will hear more about the two Shanices, about Jade and about uh, Summer. Some more stuff that we've been holding over on the scooters and John O'Donovan was on with me earlier on. John was knocked down by a, uh, an electric scooter uh, a few days ago now. He's still not the better of it. He got off a bus uh, on a one-way street and went across the street and a scooter came up the wrong way up the street and knocked him for six, and he's still not the better of it. And we were making the point that the scooters are welcome on the road. No problem with the scooters being on the road, but going the wrong way, going through lights, going on pavements, not obeying the basic rules of the road that the rest of us have to obey, that's just not on. Mag says the poor man sounds traumatised. Hope he f- and he does. Hope he feels better soon. With regard to the scooters, they are mechanically propelled vehicles, so I don't understand why they don't require a licence, tax and insurance. 
Because you can buy one of these things for a few hundred quid and you can rock around town on it. And it is a mechanically propelled vehicle, propelled by an electric motor. But for some reason, it doesn't come under the same legislation as other ones. Uh, And then we get from Save Our Bride Otters. Hi, lads. Uh, Not too sure what you mean by this. Cars parked on every footpath in the city. But, dot, dot, dot. 0818-969696. They're suggesting that we should have different priorities. Maybe. And it's not right to park on a pavement, by the way. No one's saying it's right to park on a pavement. No one ever said it's right to park on a pavement. But it's also not right to put, take one of these scooters down a pavement or go the wrong way down. It's the, one, it's the wrong way down the one-way street that grinds my gears more than anything else. Uh, that really does, does bother me a lot. 0818-969696. How's your man, PJ? <laughs> Hello, my love. How are you? How are you, bye? How's your man? She's grand. Good, good, she's good. Grand. She's grand. Good. Mind the niece and nephew. Good, good. What are you at? This is a fantastic thing you've gotten yourself involved with. Trying to get a key support worker for LGBT Ireland, and and mm-hmm. you're, you're 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 promoting it for them. Tell me about it. Yes. So basically, obviously, we're after hearing like loads of um, homophobic attacks more frequently in the press lately. Um, And I just felt like as a community, like the queer community felt a bit helpless. So I was speaking to GoFundMe about it. And then we started talking to these different charities. And then we got into LGBT Ireland, which who do amazing work, like they're doing amazing work. And you know what? I'd be killed for it because, you know, it. There are people, shock horror, who haven't yet figured out who you are. Uh, this is yeah. PJ from the I'm Grandman <laughs> podcast, just just so you know. Uh, but anyway, I just want to chip. I'm, I'm PJ Carby, Blarney Street, born and reared. That's the background they need. <laughs> and now an, um, now an international superstar, but go on anyway. <laughs> but basically, yeah, so um, I got onto LGBT Ireland and um, they're doing fab work, like they're campaigning the government to get like effective legislation to combat hate crime because there's kind of none at the moment, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and they're also like training guards on how to um, properly respond to um, hate crime victims and record them uh, when they are when they are homophobically attacked in like a correct manner. So obviously, if someone's non-binary, for example. The girls need to be um, trained to ask them for their pronouns and stuff. So they're doing amazing work. And then I started chatting to them, and they said they're they're really looking to urgently hire um, a key support worker who would like deal with like the urgent filing cases. They'd be like um, the ones to attend first contact meetings with victims and stuff like that. So it's a really like key role and it was like this is great because it's something tangible we can work towards and mm. um, to feel like we're making a difference and feel less helpless when all these attacks are happening you know so yeah. we launched a um, fundraiser last week um, and we're at we're, our goal is 20,000 which I know is very steep um, but I was like it's pride month so let's get let's make that goal um, and we're at 6,000 at the moment yeah, so just, um, just looking at it here now it's uh, 6,163 yeah like have you, PJ, ever been attached yourself or any friends of yours? You know, have yeah, you ever so been frightened? Yeah, well, I've been doing, 
Yeah, I've been doing a few interviews and they, they are, that, the question always comes up and I feel like I always say like I'm obviously from a place of, I've, I've obviously been attacked verbally and like had loads of, there's always microaggressions but I think every like gay person in the community has um, experienced microaggressions and like ver- verbal abuse in their life like there's been times where like there was one time I was in Cork and I was holding my boyfriend's hand walking down the street and someone screamed faggot across the road at us like so we were at, like someone like was verbally attacking us from across the street um, and it was like it's just like I was just trying to walk down the street holding my fella's hand like and now I'm being very aware of my surroundings and I just feel like it you wouldn't expect it you know so that's and that's just one instance in many but it's kind of it's terrible in a way because like as a queer person, you kind of get, you, you kind of prep yourself for those oh, yeah. kind of situations. Like even the small things now, like if I was wearing, you know, I like to serve a look PJ, if I was wearing a dress or something or like a skirt going to an event, mm-hmm. I'd get, be, I'd be getting looks on the bus or like I sat down on the, the bus next to a fella the other day wearing like, I think it was a jeans and a little crop t-shirt and I think I had a bit of glitter on my face and then he was like he just kind of huffed and got up so like you're used to the microaggressions but that's, then when yeah, it's like a, the, the, the other one's not a microaggression roaring at you across the street but that's the, that's, that's, not, yeah, that that's a typical wasn't. example of a microaggression like you sit down next to someone on the yeah. bus and they're, they're, sure but then it's like it's like it's it's mad you get used to all that then which is terrible and like obviously I'm I, I'd be like um, able to like like stand up for myself and be like what are you on about Um but the thing I fear about is like because I come from obviously I feel quite privileged because I'm like I'm a white male I'm six foot four like I'm a bit like a rugby player even though I'm terrible at this <laughs> um, and then like so I feel like able to stand up for myself in a way but so I so I start to really worry then about my friends in the queer community who aren't who aren't as a six foot four tall man you know what I mean it's like when it gets when it does escalate to those to actually physical attacks it gets me really worried so I'm like texting my friends when they're coming home from night out being like did you get home safe like if we're if they're go if they're traveling alone somewhere I'm like should you get a taxi in our public transport and to be like cautious about that during pride month like it's it's just like it's ironic like that, that that we have to be like that during a pride month we're afraid of where we're meant to be celebrating how far we've come and how like inclusive and beautiful beautiful and open Ireland is that we're worried about being homophobically attacked you know what I mean like we, we we have come and you know I'm I'm older than you there are those who say I'm older yeah. than most people now but I'm, I'm, I'm older than you and I remember uh, you know in the 80s and 90s when, when I had gay friends who, who were terrified to let it be mm. known that they were yeah. that they were gay, you know. And back in the eighties, in radio, in the eighties and nineties, there was a lot of gay people in this industry, a lot of gay people in theatre mm-hmm. and entertainment. And the saddest part was, we knew they were gay, and we were okay with it. But they were so terrified to just yeah. be who they were. I think that's changed, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Well, it was illegal to fucking be gay until nineteen ninety-three, when you, the year I was born. You know, which is, how many people forget that? I know it's mad. It's I, like, and especially when I say like, because when we're talking, I'm always like, um, oh, it was the the year I was born. It was the year it got decriminalized or whatever. 
um, coincidence. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. But um, uh, and then um, they knew you'd be trouble. Be you see, <laughs> they knew I'd be there. Like Jesus, we better, we better let him do his thing there. But basically, then, but then obviously we have come a long way, and we we had the referendum, we had marriage equality, and that was amazing. Like I remember, like being like so proud of Ireland during that time, and like we were setting a shining example. It was incredible. But then I think what happened was. We kind of did that Irish thing where after that happened and we got the, the yes for equality vote um, for the marriage equality, we kind of sat back and we was like, Jesus, aren't we fab now? That's, that's, that's grand now, that's done. And it's not really because like as in the queer, queer people in Ireland are still not really equal if you mm. look at it, like in, a term, in terms of law, you know. Yeah. Do you think like, there's um, a move on, um, PJ, that there'd be people who, you know, you've, you've been able to sort of come forward more you've been able to be out there more be who you are more do you think there are people out there who aggressively want to push that back and for want of a better expression put you in your place I think the majority of Ireland is like amazing and lovely and so welcoming and gorgeous and that's the one I want to celebrate yeah. and that's the one we should obviously be focusing on but you always get the, you, you always get people who are prejudiced and homophobic and they're always going to be there um, but the way I think to combat that is at like government level. So like have effective legislation in yeah. that it that does combat hate crime. Um, f- like help us fight for equal rights when it comes to um, same sex uh, couples and the rights over their child. Like that's still a big issue. It is, yeah. Like even as a gay man myself, I I can't give blood in Ireland. Um, stuff like that. Like it's really difficult for me to by the like um to give blood. So it's like little things like that. It's like the more equal we make it, like at a government level, that will trickle down. So, like I, I was saying this today, there's definitely there's obviously still people in Ireland who don't want me to marry someone I love if they're the same sex as me. Like, don't want me to marry my boyfriend, but because the government says we can and it's it's like it's legally, I'm I'm legally allowed to do it. It kind of hushes them up a bit. So I'm like, it, it does trickle down when we start at the top. So like that's why, um organizations like LGBT Ireland are so important because they're the ones campaigning and fighting for it so that's why we're trying to get someone in to do the key support worker role to take a bit of weight off them you you mentioned the fact that like here you are like you said six foot built like a rugby player Um, you know you're able to to stand up for yourself but for those who can't it's important to have someone like a support worker Exactly, but even like, even me, like obviously, I could still be a homophobic attack. Like, yeah, but it's yeah. just basically just making people feel safe, and that's I think that's all people want. Like, we just want to feel safe and live like live a happy life. I think that's what everyone wants. Is like, um, if we're going out and we're celebrating how inclusive and beautiful Ireland is during Pride Month, and like want to wear whatever we want and want to just like have a dance around with our friends and just have have the crack, like have a laugh. We want to feel safe doing that, um, and. Obviously, this this worker is not going to solve all the issues, but I do think it's going to, in a time where we feel a bit helpless, it's going to give us a bit of a win. You know, it'll be like, okay, at least we're we're doing something. We've took a step in the right direction, kind of thing. All right, listen, great talking to you always, and good yeah. luck with it. It's six six grand odd in the in the GoFundMe. Hopefully, yeah. you'll get to the twenty thousand that you want, and they'll be able to get that support worker for LGBT Ireland. Always great chatting, uh, PJ. Uh, how's the podcast going, by the way? 
Yeah, lovely. We're coming back soon now. So anyone listening um, who's going to kill us if we don't return soon, we'll be back soon. Don't worry. All right. And I, I still laugh about how you got half an hour out of pebble dashing. I'll never work that out. <laughs> <laughs> Mind yourself, PJ. One half of I'm grandmam. But he's uh, lending his support now to LGBT Ireland. Uh, the GoFundMe, we're sharing it, I presume, lads. We have shared it. Uh, uh, they're looking to, to fund a support worker. Uh, for LGBT Ireland is a charitable organisation providing services to LGBTI plus people across the country and a huge part of their work is advocacy and for that reason they need a key support worker Access all areas on Cork's 96FM Your guide to nightlife on Leaside Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment On July 28th to 31st Cork Opera House in association with the Everyman present Morrigan a new opera created by musician and composer John O'Brien It promises to be a spectacular and sonically stunning piece with tickets on sale now from CorkOperaHouse.ie Access all areas. Written by John McCarthy, Humans, a robot musical, is a big-hearted and funny story about loss, friendship and hope. Featuring three humanoid robots, it runs at the Everyman Theatre on Saturday 18th of June and Sunday the 19th. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any gigs by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. We had our giveaway there on the show uh, last week or the week before. Uh, in association with our friends at Foot Solutions on the Grand Parade. And and during the week, I mentioned uh, my own particular adventures with a thing called plantar fasciitis, uh, which, believe me, if you've ever had it, you know what it is. And if you don't know what it is, if you get it, you will know what it is. It is a really painful condition that affects the feet and can affect them for months on end. Thankfully, I got over it and I've never had it back. Um, and uh, the, the lads at Foot Solutions actually helped me at the time with it. But it's far more common than you might have thought. And you can get it any, literally any age from 18 to 80. Uh, Chris McCarthy is the manager down there at Foot Solutions on Grand Parade. And we said we'd talk about it a little bit more because when I mentioned it myself, Chris, we started to get texts from people about it. Good uh, morning to you. Morning, how are you? Good. How? What is this, Chris? And how does it start? Basically, um, it's a fibrous band of material at the underside of your foot, which is kind of like a piece of elastic mm. as such. So when you uh, sit down, your arch retracts, and when you stand up, your arch expands. So the foot elongates when you stand up. And if you do any damage to the plantar fascia, when you stand up from having been resting, you will find severe pain at that point. Yeah, like getting out of bed in the morning, that first walk to yeah. the loo, it goes like walking on hot yeah. coals. Yeah, that's because while you're lying down, your body weight is off your feet. And so the plantar fascia retracts. And what it's actually doing is it's actually trying to heal itself. Yeah. And then you stand up and you stretch it again. You give a pull on it. Yeah. And then it takes a little bit of time after to stretch itself out again, yeah. you know. It's, it's so, anyone, you can't you can't sit there and not use your feet for however period of time it takes. No, well, you see, the logical thing is not to allow it to stretch 
because it's a stretching of it that causes the, the tear, you know, to become more annoying. Uh, so putting the port under your foot and yeah. keeping it there will actually allow it to heal itself over time. I see, because that's what happened with so me. We normally recommend to people like to have a support in a slipper even by the side of the bed so mm. that when you initially stand up from lying down that you don't pull it and injure it more. I see, I see. And it is very common. <laughs> oh, three, four people a day come into us with that particular problem. Uh, it got more common actually over COVID. It is. Because one of, the, one of the reasons that you could get is if you over-exercise. So people who mightn't have walked as much before all started walking during COVID. Yeah, yeah. And it, put more strain on it, the plantar fascia. Yeah. Interestingly, when I got mine back in uh, in 2018, what had happened, yeah. I, I had hurt myself on holidays. I'd been messing around at the swimming pool with my son. Yeah. And, and he threw a football and I went to head the ball and overstretched mm-hmm. my calf muscle, which was very yeah. sore for a few days. But it was after that then. Oh. That I got the yeah. plantar fasciitis, like months after. Yeah. I'll never forget the pain, yeah. Chris. What can yeah. be done for it? Oh, people come into us, some people would have it on both feet. Yeah. You know, they could really be feel it. Would People who play a lot of sport are a lot of golfers, mm. for example, can't go golfing because they can't walk yeah. and it ruins their, you know, their leisure time. Um, and again, the bottom line really for us is when people come in here and we give them an arch support uh, they can go back and do their normal activities. Yeah, and, and I mean support. it can be instant relief. I mean, you were with me that day actually when you came in in two thousand and eighteen. That's right. And you got instant relief. Oh, instant, instant. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. literally, I walked. I I got the bus to town, hobbled off mm-hmm. the bus, and walked mm-hmm. back to the bus. I won't say pain free, yeah. but at the start of being pain free. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It, can it makes take, a huge difference. It can take a while to heal, can't it? So while it is healing, what can you do to help? The, the, well, there are exercises that can be done as well to uh, stretch the plantar fascia. Mm. Um, uh, oftentimes, you know, people would do the exercises and they might roll a, a hard like ball under the foot to help stretch it as well and loosen it out. Mm-hmm. But the key, key thing really in my mind is to have, keep the art support on the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I used and that to, actually takes away the pain. Someone gave me a tip as well, and, 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 and it seems to have helped to get a, a, a bag of peas. And when you're sitting, say, mm-hmm. watching telly, put, now mm-hmm. put a foot, a, sock, a stockinged foot, on top of mm-hmm. the, the bag of peas, and you yeah. won't be in as much pain when you stand up. Now, yeah. I found it works yeah, for it's me. A, it's, a, it's like cold therapy, you see. Uh, I think we often recommend actually have a bottle of water, plastic bottle of water in your freezer. And roll it. And roll it underneath yeah. the area because it is right under the heel there. Yeah. So the bottle, the shape of the bottle actually gets into where the, and yes. the coldness then takes down the inflammation is actually yeah. what happens. So really for anybody yeah. who is, and, and I think that's the key symptom, isn't it? When you get up out of bed in the morning, uh, particularly, yes. that first walk to the loo or down to the kitchen to boil the kettle, it's, yeah. like, it's like walking on hot coals. That's a yeah. sure sign yeah. that you need to get it looked at. Yeah, or if you sit down for a period of time and then get up again, yeah. you'll feel it again then. Yeah, right. yeah. And there are but oftentimes be- people are sent to us by their doctors because they would have actually um, got, a, you know, got a diagnosis of plantar fasciitis yes. as well. Yes, and, and straight into somewhere like Food Solutions. And like I said, oh, Chris, oh. I, 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 now it did take me maybe, maybe it took eight weeks to three months to be fully gone. But yeah, it never, oh, it does. It's a slow process. It never but came back. What's your 
Yeah. Also, when you when you have it, once you're wearing your supports, you're not crippled in pain and you're not curtailed from doing your normal that's right. everyday activity. That's right. So Listen, that's the other side. Continued yeah. success to Tony and yourself and all the crew at uh, Foot Solutions. On and thanks to all our loyal customers over the years who kept yeah. us in business, you know, so that's all part of it as well. Right. All right, listen, thanks very much, Chris. Great advice. Plantar fasciitis, that is the, and you can get it at any age, and that is the symptom. If you're watching telly, or if you sit down, or if you think, and then get up in the morning and put the feet under you to go to, oh my God, I'll never forget the pain of that. I will never forget that pain. But it can be cured, and a visit into somewhere like that, they can have you... They can take you put your the relief. Oh lads, the relief is unbelievable. The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96fm.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. 0818 96 96 96 is the number to call. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Paul wanted to raise an issue with me. We'll see where this goes. Um, if you agree or disagree with Paul or if you've seen anything similar you can certainly let us know just something to say about people begging on the streets says Paul I was waiting for the bus on Grand Parade and this guy comes up to me and asks me had I a few pounds for food so I said look I'll get you food I went into Centra got him a chicken salad roll and a cup of tea he says thank you very much and then two minutes later he went over to the bin and threw the roll and the tea into the bin. He didn't want food at all. Just money for drugs or alcohol. Thanks for that, Paul. Yeah, and that is what we're told if someone comes to you in the street looking for money. Go buy them and say they say it's for food. Go buy them food. I remember when I was in India years ago. Uh, you see loads of kids. It's heartbreaking, actually. You see loads of kids uh, begging on the streets in, in India and the instruction we got from the people who were there with us was don't give them money you know I mean and the little small little 20 rupee or 10 rupee note it's not worth cents but don't give it to them uh, what we used to do was you'd have a little you know carrier bag or a backpack was have a couple of packets of biscuits uh, or something and you'd get a you get a pack of biscuits in the supermarket over there for, for pence and they said to us open the pack and give them the open pack and and then they will actually eat it they'll actually get food but if you gave them money that money would be taken off them by whoever was running the begging ring and if you gave them the packet of biscuits and didn't open it it'll be taken off them and sold but that's that's in India that's different but here this guy Paul I don't know if anyone's ever if that's ever happened to anyone else listening but this fellow came up to him and he said look can I have some money for food and he said, look, I'll buy you food. And he went off into the centre and he bought him a chicken salad roll and a cup of tea. Came out, gave it to him. He was all thankfully and whatever. And then he went over to the bin. And um, he went over to the bin and dumped it. Sometimes, of course, they're there. And that's a, a good point too. Sometimes drug dealers are making them beg to pay off debts. 
That's true. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Where? Yeah, a few more things. Oh, on scooters. Uh, the more stuff coming in about scooters. PJ, I saw a boy six or seven on one of these things in my estate, up on the footpath. He was moving at least thirty miles an hour. God forbid if someone went to reverse out of their drive as he was passing, would have been fatal. What are they doing with them anyway at that age? And Jackie says it's the same with those electric bikes. They go up one-way streets the wrong way, or they go on footpaths, they go through red lights. Three or four times now I've had to jump back to avoid them. And the drivers aren't one bit apologetic either, like someone else said they're mechanically propelled vehicles. So why shouldn't they be liable for tax and insurance? And maids stay off the footpaths. Thanks, Jackie. 0818-969696. How does a song released 37 or 38 years ago get to be a bigger hit now uh, in America than it ever was at the time? I'll get to that in a second with you, Shirley Donovan. But am I right in saying you are watching Love Island for the first time ever? How are you enjoying it? PJ? Yeah. What a penance. I am watching this now and I am peak L1 levels. You're what? I'm at peak L1 levels. So I am you're, like, so you're now as far from an L1 as I am from a child. I, I don't know. It's ageing me anyway, I can tell you that. Go on. The things I do now, I can tell you, watching this, this I've caught up now, so I missed the first week, so I went back and I started it. Oh, so this this six shows a week airing, so we're we're almost two weeks into it now, mm. and it's this, you know, it's like any reality TV show. It's this manufactured conflict, manufactured drama, but it's all taking place in this villa that you've never seen the likes of in your life, mm. and it's just. I actually don't know what to make of it. To I be honest, villa. I said here last week, if I won the lottery, I would charter a plane and bring all my friends out to the villa. I love the villa, but. Oh my, the villa is next level. Like, there's no doubt about that. But it is, I actually, I just sit there, like, I'm all over the place watching it. Like, one minute I am like, they need to get a grip on themselves. This is a disgrace. And then five minutes later, I'm like, go on, girl, you do, you do you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, it's it's throwing me yeah. for a loop because I've never seen it before. So I didn't really know what to and expect. How are, how are you generally on reality stuff, Shirley? Oh, I love reality TV. Yeah. So like I'm all like, and I will like I'm not a Kardashians fan now. I'm not any of that. But like, I'm all in for things like Marriage at First Sight and all that. And I was an OG Big Brother fan, and I would have watched Big Brother year after year. Yeah. But this, I just find it kind of grating on me. Like, I'm kind of going, why aren't they allowed to wear clothes during the day? Why are they all going around? And I know it's they're out in now, Spain or wherever. Forty degrees now. In fairness, out there at the moment. You know? I know, but like, I mean, an old t-shirt wouldn't go straight, PJ. I can't be looking at that all day long. <laughs> and, and then I'm going. And that's just the women. <laughs> that's just the women. And then the women are going around in heels, right? And they're on, walking on the stacking. I mean, you can hardly walk in heels at the best of time. Never mind running the risk of getting your heels stuck in a deck. But anyway, um, and you know, you're just. <laughs> I'm, no, just I'm just like I'm just reminded of something happened to Queen V one night long ago. I, 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 <laughs> well, there you go, because we've all been there, right? <laughs> go on. And like, there is like, I mean, it's called Love Island, whatever. And this is like season eight and what have you. And the ratings are growing year on year. Like, yeah. there's no doubt about it; it's going nowhere. But like at this point, I think 
you know, years ago, like the beginning of Big Brother, anybody who went into it had this naivety when they went in that it was going to be all very real and they were just going to be filmed in their everyday habitats and nothing was going to be stopped and started and refilmed and what was filmed was put out and you'd be edited very well. But at this point, eight seasons down the line, I think any naivety of going in, of any entrance going into this is fire dispelled because they're only going in there to build a massive social media profile. Yeah. Well, if you, if you look at, you know, or maybe get a career out of it, like look at Mara. Yeah, exactly. And then you've Molly May and you've you've Tommy Fury and all that. Like the opportunities, this TV show trends online for the eight weeks that it's on air, morning, noon and night. You cannot go online without seeing Love Island. It's one of the most huge, like hugely anticipated and hugely watched series on TV every year. Yeah, the whole place is and and they're watching it whether they admit it or not. Do you know? Yeah, and I mean it's the talk. It's the it's the water cooler conversation in every workplace. It's and if you are, as you say, you're totally out of the loop if you're sitting in a canteen, and the people around you are talking about it. If you haven't seen it, you're completely out of the loop. And I mean the drama, like it's this confrontainment of like producers creating conflict I and drama. I love that to, word. I never heard that word before. Confrontainment. Yeah. Confrontainment. Yeah. Am I trademarked that? Will I? What a word. <laughs> But it is. I mean, it's they're going in there, you know, for camera time. And every single one of them knows the more confrontation and drama you create in there, the more airtime you're going to get in tomorrow night's episode. Mm. Yeah. You know, and look, it's it's the ultimate car crash TV, because here I am now and I'm I'm going on and on about how ridiculous it is. Am I going to watch it tonight? Absolutely. I am. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's, I'm has, kind of sucked in now. Has it you in despite yourself, like? It, I'm only watching it to be slightly offended by it. You know that kind of way. You know when you watch something and you you only want to watch it so you can, you know, yeah. talk to people about it and say how ridiculous it is. Have you have you have you have you decided or th- any thoughts on who might win? Now, by the no, way, if they were all sure. standing in front of me right now, I wouldn't know one from the other. I've just seen it on the screen as in passing kind of things. I don't know one from the other, but. And listen, they're dropping them in like hotcakes. So, like you, th- you think the one person, oh, this is going to be because they're getting so much camera time. Um, you're like, oh, sure, they're going to be, they'll definitely win it. And then they could drop two more people in, and it dilutes the group constantly to kind of stir it up. Now, obviously, Mike Lowen's daughter Gemma is is in there, and she's getting an awful lot of camera time because she's the only person that people might. She has some sort of level of celebrity already, I suppose. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's hard to say, and it's anyone's game. And as as it goes on, you see that it gets more vicious because they're put in more awkward situations and they're uncoupling and recoupling and all this crack, you know. So it, it's very hard to know who's going to emerge. I think, surely, the you know, this old uncoupling and recoupling stuff. Sure, we were doing that in Chandra's in the eighties, like. <laughs> Oh, listen! It's like watching. It's like watching Tinder live. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 and it's uncomfortable. Like I'm uncomfortable watching it, Is but it? I can't change yeah. the channel either. Yeah, it's a bit uncomfortable, right? They're they're humiliating them at times, you know. Yeah. And in in a lot of ways, they're kind of humiliating the girls more than they are the boys. Really. Um, because they're leaving the boys it's a t- like the last two girls standing say in the, when they're recoupling they're standing there like the last two on, on the camogie team in school that nobody wants to pick and one of the lads has to pick one of them and the other one then has to leave 
So like they're standing there, like they're score, they're visibly uncomfortable, like, and that's uncomfortable to watch. But that's kind of those elements of reality TV that hook people in. Yeah, it's it's an awful, it's an awful cruel thing, isn't it? Now I I would be believing, or I would be thinking at least that the girl who gets voted off or has to walk or whatever that she knows and it's an act but they're not that good actors then I guess well you see you don't know because some of them are born actors because I think people who actively like this show gets 100,000 applicants a year and it's certain personality types will go for this and there are people who 100,000 applicants so and they're all they're always people who want to create a career out of this Mm. So I think you may not be an actor, but you'll 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 do your level best. Mm. You know, I think they're very good, and they they've watched the show a thousand times. Yeah. You know, and it's not it's not like other forms of reality TV where you have like Bake Off, where it's a skill and they're being put to the test every week. This is literally just it's like Tinder Live. It's weird. <laughs> you really are doing a hate watch, and it all came out of Stranger Things, which personally I fell out of love with Stranger Things after the second season. I thought it got a bit mad for me. It's now on the fourth and this, Mm. it's really resurrected itself. Well, you see, I think by announcing that they're going to wrap it up at the end of season five, you bring back anyone that you've lost. Yeah. You know, when you put that time limit on it. So I'm kind of the same as you. We've watched it from the beginning and you see we're in a house like, so there's us and there's, we've a teenager, a preteen and a 10 year old and they're all watching it but we're watching it with different eyes because we're watching it with a bit of nostalgia and we're watching it like that, the soundtrack the kind of, the clothes the all of the, you know, just all of the scenarios So we're and then the kids are watching it as if it's the coolest thing they've ever seen Yes. so like you're, the first two seasons I found were really um, kind of urgent, really pacey there was loads going on mm. you kind of were you kind of were nearly displaced going, okay, what's happening here? There was yeah. so much going on. And it's typical Netflix, it's lavish. They yeah, I mean, there's no nothing. end to the budget. Yeah. yeah. There's no end to the budget. So, like, I think after season three, I kind of was going, okay, this is getting a bit samey. And I wasn't that bothered about watching it. But then, of course, the minute they said, well, these are the final seasons of it, I was like, right, I'm back in now, I might as well. You know, so you're bringing back an audience that maybe may have tuned out from it had it gone on for eight or nine seasons. Yeah, yeah. I'm and you have a... You, the, it's, the, it's the soundtrack kept me, when I was getting a bit tired of it towards the end yeah. of season two, it's the soundtrack kept me, because the soundtrack is awesome. The soundtrack is epic. And even for, like, I notice now when the kids have Alexa on in the bedroom, like, it's the Stranger Things, there's an official Spotify playlist, and that's what they're listening to. I'm looking at it um, this morning, and the list is just phenomenal of what's in there. It reminds me of, you know, the way now you'd have, like, that's what I call music, but it was like, now that's what I call music eight. You yes. know, that kind of way. You know, it's, it's got, it's amazing artists. And, like, you have... For this, for Kate Bush has brought her to a whole new level and a whole... She's 63 years of age. She never could have expected this. No. no. She even made a statement the other day. I mean, and she was totally surprised. I mean, Kate Bush doesn't do statements, doesn't really do interviews. And she mm. kind of issued a statement. First of all, thanks to everyone for loving the song. But it's it's a whole new audience. And like I think, I think that's absolutely brilliant to see... Uh, younger younger people picking up. But there's an interesting thing there I was reading during the week, Shirley. One of the reasons it's, it could well be headed back to number one is just in time they've changed the rules on an older song 
can re-enter the charts through streaming. It's the most colossal mm-hmm. streaming success on Spotify in the last two weeks. Yeah. I was reading this morning, It's num- that song is number four on Spotify globally. But in the days after season four aired, so in the first couple of days after season four aired, that song was up 8,700% in global streams. There was an increase in that song alone. It's phenomenal. Like, that's massive. Yeah. Like, she's had 240 million streams, but, and then her other songs, if you go into her as an artist on, on Spotify, you'll see the other songs now are coming up into the yeah. 100 million mark because people are, you know, listening through. She's building a whole new fan base because they're going from there onto cloud busting, they're going from there onto the man with the child in his eyes, they're going from there onto yeah. all the other fantastic songs she did. Yeah. She'll end up having to tour, you know. And I even I see now other artists like contemporary artists like Halsey and Delta Goodrum are covering that song. Delta yeah. Goodrum, I think, duetted it on on Australian Idol or The Voice Australia or something right. last week. So it's it's has a contemporary kind of contemporary artists have a huge respect for it as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 great. And you know what's going to happen then? You say season five being the last season, the they would be queuing up to get classics into it. Absolutely. And I mean, there's not, we have like season four, volume two is coming now on the 1st of July. So like, obviously, whatever soundtrack, that's locked down already. Um, So season five is going to be a huge one now because they'll be going out on a bang. And obviously the cast, these these kids are growing up as well. So they have a lot of loose ends to tie up, which is probably what I found that's what started season four. That's kind of what I why I fell out of love with it. It was by the end of season two and breaking into season three, there were so many strands going in so many different directions. And, yeah, you know, there was an awful lot of good writing needed to tie them all up. You know. Yes, and I do. I found that the start, the first volume of season four was all backstories. There wasn't much storylines between the characters. You know, Eleven is in one area, Hopper is in another area. There's none of those storylines kind of paused and we're kind of backtracking to tie up the loose ends. So I hope that that's more or less done now and that volume two will push the plot line forward and volume uh, series five then will be very strong finish. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Listen, Shirley, thanks as always. Uh, keep enjoying thanks, Love Island. Allow, enjoying Love <laughs> Island. <laughs> Even if it is a hate watch. Thanks, Shirley. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, the Elton John song that you're trying to figure out the correct title of well try to figure out it's just choose and send me because all of these questions if you weren't able to get them right you probably shouldn't be allowed into an Elton John gig but how's ever the fun is in the competition is it Sunita or Nikita the title of the Elton John song is it Sunita or Nikita all right, text the right answer and your name, 83 396 We'll do the winner before the end of the show and the overall winner for the week. First of all, though, there's a celebration uh, this weekend as part of uh, the, the Midsummer Festival. Its celebration goes under the name of Queer. Uh, Aaron Blake. Aaron, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you getting on? Good. What is Queer? So Queer is a daytime festival as part of Cork Midsummer, and it's a celebration of Cork Queer culture uh, through its arts. So it's going to be a daytime festival this Sunday running uh, 2 p.m. till 6 p.m. 
And it's going to be right in St. Anne's Park underneath the Goldie Fish. And it's going to be platforming a lot of uh, queer artists uh, okay. from Cork City. Who will be there? So we'll have a music lineup of Kevin Terry, uh, I Dreamed I Dream, and Elaine Malone. And beyond that, we'll have a lot of queer uh, visual art pieces. And we'll have some uh, an interactive story trail. So there'll be kind of QR codes you can scan and you've got some uh, monologues written by local queer artists mm. and writers. So, yeah. It's Pretty Happy playing your punk band. No, so Pretty Happy, um, uh, Abby Blake, who's also in Pretty Happy, and my sister, she's curating the festival I'll be uh, producing. But um, no, I think this was um, something we'd wanted to do for quite a while, just to kind of have another platform for queer artists yeah. around Cork City. Um, but no, we uh, we we didn't think. Well, Abby yeah. didn't think it'd be great to curate herself onto a festival. Yeah. Yeah. What's the what kind of what 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 kind of stories are are, are gay artists telling people now? Well, I suppose like that's what we kind of wanted to do with this festival is that like queer artists don't necessarily have to tell queer stories. But then again, a story told by a queer artist would be a queer story, if you understand what I mean. And I think a big part of this festival is that we just want to amplify queer voices, but to have them belong in a wider core community. Mm. Are they told in what you might call a queer way? Well, I suppose like the stories we have on the narrative trail, for example, we kind of got people to respond to queer uh, themes. Mm. And I mean, I'm, like to say a queer way, I mean, it's through a queer lens, I suppose. Yeah. And it's we, I suppose a lot of stories told before this wouldn't have been told through that way. So it is a fresh perspective. Mm. I was making the point earlier this morning uh, was kind of that, the, 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 you know, Theatre, music, entertainment has always been a kind of a safe space for the queer, queer community anyway um, to, to shine to shine within. Would you agree with me? Well, I, I suppose there there is uh, big connotations with the queer community and those kind of art spaces, but not always to actually tell the stories that queer people would want to. And I think, you know, traditionally queer people would be involved in these uh, these art forms, but they wouldn't be able to tell their own experiences or they'd have to hide their own experiences in clever ways. And I suppose, you know, only in recent, even the past 10 or 20 years, do we see really unrestricted queer voices telling queer stories. Mm. And I think a big thing as well in the in the um, lens of queer is that we wanted to tell queer Cork stories and we wanted to do a big kind of... Um, a look at kind of queer tradition in Cork. Look at all of these queer people in Cork doing art today, but also we have um, a collaboration with the LGBT archives in Cork with Orly Egan, and we're going to be platforming a lot of uh, historical gay culture in Cork. I about see. The, you know, the gay rights movement, because I think a lot of young queer people in Cork do see a lot of uh, their queer influences from America, or England, you know, yes. they would see a lot of these kind of icons that yeah, would be they, platformed. They, they forget we had fantastic campaigners back in the day here in Cork who really led the way. Exactly, and that there is a tradition, you know, and I think a lot of the times when you don't have a spotlight on these kind of people, it can feel isolating, but to let people know that there has been a strong queer tradition in Ireland and Cork, and mm. that you are a part of that as continuing. Yeah, I remember my, my 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 great friend and no longer with us, sadly, David Gordon. You know, I mean, the, the things he did 
uh, and, 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 yeah. and others like him, uh, you know, and, and another great man no longer with us, Dave Roach. You know, Completely. And I think it's, it's, you know, it's great to actually continue telling those stories and were, to let people know because... They were trailblazers. Yeah. That's it. And I think it's important because you, th- you think that, you know, once we know these kind of people, it's like, oh, these, these are great people. Everyone should know about them. But people just coming up, people just coming out of school, like there isn't that kind of resource to learn about these people. Mm. And is that kind of what the, the, the festival will be? Is that, like the public going on for the cu- curious public going up for a wonder. Like what will they see? Well, yeah, there, well, that's I suppose we'll have that. That'll be its own. We'll have kind of uh, dotted around the park little um, kind of uh, I suppose little signs with uh, queer history infographics. But besides that, it's just going to be a kind of day of fun. It's family friendly. We're going to have some games there as well. We can have a carnival theme going. So we'll have, you know, people throwing out street, uh, sweets. We're trying to get the local Shandon community involved. So Linehan's is. Uh, kindly providing us with seats that we're going to be giving out and um, yeah no it'll just be a day of fun music Um, there'll also be food there on the day for my goodness volcano pizza and um, yeah no it is I suppose where where it is we are kind of platforming queer uh, art today and we're kind of showcasing queer history it'll also just be a fun day out Mm. all you need is the weather that's it, hopefully. Well, here's hoping that it, it'll shine on you tomorrow. Aaron Blake, um, and tomorrow it's 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 up there in, it, up, up in Sedan's Park, and it's going to be great. It's a great afternoon. There's Fowdus Entertainment, Sedan's Park in Shandon from 2 till 6. And the best bit, the best bit, it's free. 0818969696 on Love Island Kids says it's the fakest stuff going have they a brain cell between them? It reminds me of Steve Martin, the man with two brains. He speaks to a model and it was Nana gibberish. I don't know what you mean, Kate, but it's a long time since I saw that film. Now, uh, Noreen, good morning. Good morning, hi. This is Noreen Moore, uh, first-time author, and the book is called Bunny Buttons. Tell me about it. Um, yes, so uh, Bunny Buttons is, it's just a story about a little rabbit that's very sensitive. Um, so she's noticing that, you know, some everyday things around her can be difficult for her. Um, um, so like she's got some sensory processing difficulties. Right. Um, and it's just kind of aimed at children that, you know, would, would be similar. They're, similar. They're sensitive themselves. They, you know, might be neurodivergent Um and it's, you know, just a story that they can relate to. So, like, it touches on how, you know, she could struggle with food, clothes, touch, noise, light, stuff like that. Yeah. And then throughout the story, um, it goes, you know, Buttons goes on to explore ways in which she can help herself feel better and feel less overwhelmed. So, um, essentially, it's how she learns about some different sensory and emotional regulation techniques. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, it's it's aimed at children. Um, you know, it's yeah. it's... You know, the story itself and the illustration, you know, are kind of like little tips and tricks for other children that might be feeling sensitive, um, you know, and they can, you know, r- read the story or have it read to them and kind of learn um, from it in that way. The inspiration was your daughter? Yeah, yeah. My own little girl, um, Bonnie, was diagnosed with autism when she was three and um when she was diagnosed, like we were big readers, like we love books in our house. And I kind of seemed to buy a book 
about no matter what it is, whether it's moving house or getting a new baby sister or whatever, I always buy a book, yeah. um, you know, to help with that and to, you know, explain what, what's going on. Um, so when she was diagnosed, I bought a ton of books, children's books um, and adults books, actually, about autism. But I just couldn't really find anything that she could, um, you know, identify with and relate to. So... There's so many books, but I just kind of found an awful lot of them were actually aimed more at neurotypical children, kind of explaining what autism is, how to be friends with, you know, somebody that's autistic, um, you know, like that. I just I just couldn't really find anything that she kind of felt represented. Yeah. Um, by. So yeah. it's taking off for you as well. I mean, it, it, it's it's on Amazon. How did, yeah. how did you go about, I mean, this was your, like I mentioned, you're a first time author. So, so how did you set about getting it published, getting it, getting someone to take it on board for you? Is it all self-published? Yeah, well, it is. It's self-published. Um, I was kind of in two minds um, what way to go about it. And like, like you said, I'm a first time author. So honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I actually wrote the story for my little girl. It wasn't, you know, I didn't really intend for it to be a book, yeah. you know, to start, yeah. you know, initially it was just for her. Um, so when I decided, you know, like I'd turn it into a little book, um, I reached out to a couple of um you know, a couple of different publishers and I also looked at self-publishing and I did end up self-publishing then with Amazon. Yeah. Um, so it's with Kindle Direct Publishing and when I, you know, because, you know, this kind of self-doubt and fear as well that nobody would like it or it wouldn't take off and when I kind of um, bit the bullet and decided to self-publish, I actually got offered by a couple of different um, publishers then that, Brilliant. you know, that they were interested but um, I'd order it. I'd already, um, you know, I'd already started down the path of self-publishing self and I'd found uh, an illustrator that I loved. So I just, kept, you know, kept on going with the way it had been going. Mm. So yeah. is is online the best way to get it or can we get hard copies, as it were? Well, at the moment, it's on Amazon and the book depository in Ireland. Um, and I have a Shopify account set up as well, so it'll be available there. But the next step now is to get it um, into bricks and mortar shops. It's um, I've kind of it kind of took off a little bit quicker than I was expecting it, so I'm I'm playing a little bit of catch up, really, to be honest. Yeah. Book depository is um, a fabulous source. It is, yeah, and it's so, like it's so handy and like. There's free shipping. I, like I'd, I'd get an awful lot of books myself on Book Depository. I find it great. Mm, yeah, that's so. fantastic. Del delighted for you, Noreen, to see it uh, taken off for you because it's such a, a unique idea. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me while I choke myself here. And uh, and it and it, it it's just taking off for you, and it's great to see it, and it's a like just a cute little book, really cute, and well done to you for it. That's uh, Noreen Moore, the author. <coughs> Excuse me, the author of Bunny Buttons, um, which is illustrated by Happy Rose. And go look for it. Go into Amazon, uh, and you'll find it. Or if you have a Kindle, you'll find it on the Kindle store. Or go to Book Depository. Which, by the way, if you're a book buyer. Um, book Depository is brilliant. Now, there's nothing better than an actual bookshop, and we've got some great ones like Waterstones or Dubray or places like But, but, uh, Book Depository is a fabulous site. Congratulations, Noreen. 0818 96 96 96. Maeve says, Thank you so much for mentioning Dave Gordon. What he did for dance and theatre in Cork was immeasurable and such a laugh. Nice to see 
is not forgotten. Maeve, I could never forget Dave Gordon. The number of good old-fashioned piss-ups that I had with Dave and Alan Amsby and a few more of their friends uh, in, in a great club that I used to be involved in, a great nightclub called Norma Jeans where Dave and the lads were regulars. We had such fun together, but thanks for the message. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Quartz 96 FM. Finish out today, finish out this week. I want to talk to John Scott about uh, The Wanderer. This is interesting, John. Uh, talking about survivors of torture and doing it through dance. Tell me more. Well, this goes back a long way, and I'm really, really, really excited. Um, this project is kind of almost like one of my life crusades. It's all my loves of opera, of dance, and also I've had this... Um, um, it, I fell into working with survivors of torture in 2003 through a place called the Centre for Care of Survivors of Torture, mm. Spirazzi, and it's, a, it's an NGO that um, when people came to, started coming into Ireland, um, asylum seekers, if they were seen to have evidence of being tortured, physical wounds or some type of psychological trauma, um, they were referred to Spirazzi, where they had experts in the, the horrific medical wounds and also in psychological therapy. Um, because the aim of torture is to destroy someone without killing them, to spread fear through the community. And it's about physical force, it's about control. And torture is far more effective in a society than killing someone because if somebody is done away with or they disappear, people might say, oh, what happened to him? What happened to her? But they forget. But if somebody's been tortured and they're in the community like a ghost of their former self, that spreads more fear and it's better for control. It's it's funny. I, I once met a man... Uh, John, who was a member of the ANC in South Africa, he was a veteran member, and he mm-hmm. had been, he had been tortured. Oh my God, I can't imagine what the man went through. But like the scars they left him with, was a better, if like he was a better lesson in the horrors of torture than any book you could read. Completely. Um, and when I first went to Spirazzi, I said, well, you know, I. I could teach them some dance workshops and I have this kind of workshop that is quite um, holistic. It's based on the work of the American choreographer, composer Meredith Monk, who I've had the pleasure of working with yeah. and studying with a lot. And you, you, it, she deals with what she calls personal archaeology, where you, you, you maybe channel things in your body and from your ancestry and you use it to make material and then you make something that's very beautiful and transcendent. So I told them, I went in and I thought, I didn't know what a torture survivor looked like. And I went into a room in their building and there were about 10 interesting, lovely looking people chatting and giggling. And Mike Walker was the person who brought me in and I said to Mike, these are the torture survivors. I said, mm-hmm. And I said, is there anything I should do or shouldn't do? And he said, you can do anything with them, but don't ask them what happened. You can ask them where they're from, ask them their name, uh, talk about the weather or whatever else. Um, so I instantly said to them that my work is, um, it's kind of modern dance, it's abstract, and we don't necessarily tell a story, but we work with poetic impressions. And if people wanted to express something, I would help them to do that. 
but I would never need to know their story directly. And they said to me afterwards, that when I said that, they felt they were in a safe place and that they could trust me. And we worked in a circle and the very first um, workshop, and there was this woman, her, her name, her pet name in her family is Kirabu. Shirabu, she, um, and she comes from a West African country and she has to conceal her identity because her family are politically active there and her husband was shot in front of her and the children oh and she God. was then taken and tortured yeah. and she got to Ireland and uh, she's this big woman, older woman, this beautiful radiant smile and we worked in a circle and I thought, okay, one guy came up and said he'd been hung upside down several times and he had a bad back. And I thought, okay, I have to be very careful. I can't just do my normal dance warm up because somebody might have an injury. So I got them just to, I did this old dance exercise where you just lifted up your arms and you breathed in and breathed out. And this woman, Shirabu, was facing me and she opened her arms and her eyes lit up and she just suspended herself and just, she just went, ah, with her arms wide open. And I looked at her, and even telling you this now, it's making me want to cry. I can hear it. it. Was one I can of the hear most, it, John. Yeah. It was one of the most moving. I was electrified. And you spend your time as an artist and as a choreographer in the studio looking for an electrifying moment. It could be some particular dance step. It could be some moment in a duet or something where some lift happens and you go, wow, mm. I'm onto it. I'm making something. And I thought, what? the hell am I going to do? I'm not a therapist. I'm not trained in this type of thing. And I, they said, we have a therapist down the hallway if you want to have a therapist present. And I said, let me start on my own yeah. and yeah. let's see what happens. And the wanderer and is what she came this, out said, of it. Yes. Well, she, she suspended her arms and I got everyone to do what she was doing. And they all, everyone started a mixture of crying and laughing. And then we did more complex things. I had no idea I was going to make a piece, but what they were doing in the workshops was so astonishing. I said yeah. to them, would you like to try and make a piece together? So we made a piece in 2004, we called Fall and Recover, and it became this phenomenon. We brought it to New York. Um, we brought um, another piece to Paris. We brought a piece to Ramallah in Palestine. Wow. And she stood up and she said, I have been tortured. And everyone in the audience said, so have I, so have I, so have I. Crikey. And... Um, so I, 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 I'm running a bit short on time, John, and it's a pity because I'd love to okay. talk to you some more. But the, the, the Wanderer opens, opera. it opens Midsummer Festival Monday, which is Refugee Day. And we have a cast of about 19. We have 10 incredible dancers. We have live orchestra. The music's by Tom Lane, who did these gorgeous operas in Cork Opera House during Cork Midsummer over the years. And a libretto by the poet Jessica Trainer and um, Mairead Buick and Cork's own Brendan Collins, who is uh, finally, rightfully achieving his great international success, has come back and he's jumped back from gigs in London and France to sing a special role that's been written for him um, of a man about to cross water. So Brendan and the rest of us will all be in Cork Opera House Monday night at 7.30. All right, good luck with it. It's a, it's a, it's a show that's been many years in the making and a great addition to the Cork Midsummer Festival. Thank you very much for that, John. Good luck with it and good luck to all involved. All right, line one, is it Fergal? Megan, Megan, hey Megan. Hi, how are Hiya, you? Hi, girl in, in Middleton. What's the name of the song? Nikita. Nikita. All right. Okay, well, you're the daily winner. You're off to see Elton John, Friday, July 1, two weeks yes. today. All right, so stay there with me for a minute because right now we need to go between all of these. 
and we'll pick out that one. And the winner overall, who will be going to dinner as well, a pre-concert meal for two at Sober Lane, Cork's lively gastro pub in the heart of the city, is Denise O'Connell in Cove. Well done to you, Denise. Enjoy the gig, enjoy the dinner, and everyone enjoyed the, the gig. And thank you to Aiken Promotions for that, being with us all week for Elton John's Farewell Yellowbeck Road Tour, Parky Cueve, two weeks today, Friday, July 1. I'll be there, and I cannot wait. Uh, closer to that, the script are in town Sunday at Musgrave Park. Danny? I cannot wait to play Musgrave. When they told me, I thought it was Musgrave, and I was like, hell yeah, and give me whistles and me white gloves. No, but Musgrave, Musgrave is going to be amazing. It's um, it's uh, it's not very often that bands travel down down the country, but when they do, man, it's much appreciated. And uh, it, they're always they're always in the lead for some wild wild nights. We've always we always have stories to tell after those ones and hangovers that last for months. Go on, Danny. Danny, you done it from the script. That's it. We're done. Spring is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.